Welcome back. I'm Sherry Jorgensen from spiritualcrusade.com and we would like to invite you to come visit our website. We have daily content like talks and memes, um, information about General Conference. We have lesson helps. Come follow me um, guides to help with young children, teenagers. We have videos that explain the chapters. Um, we have a weekly challenge. We've got newsletters. It's pretty exciting. So come visit us at spiritualcrusade.com. Today, I would like to tell you guys a story. It's actually a story of my brother who passed away a couple days ago. But he left behind a testimony that has affected me for the last 20 months, because it was 20 months ago that he wrote this testimony. And I, I believe it's one that will change your life forever, but I would like to give you a little precursor to this testimony of who Don is. Who is Don? Well, he's my oldest brother. We come from a family of 12, and Don was nothing short of what an older brother should be. He was the prime example. Now, he had nine children with his wife, and their last child was diagnosed with muscle dystrophy. It was full-blown. Um, they didn't think he, could, he would ever sit up or walk or really function, although he is doing all those things due to the fact of Don's diligence to work with him and to always believe in him and to never give up on him. And this was Don's attitude with every single person that ever walked on the earth, especially his siblings, his children, and his wife. During one of their uh, doctor appointments for Spencer, Spencer's their youngest one with, that was born with muscle dystrophy, he had his older son with him. And when we went to the doctor's appointment, the doctor saw his son and said, can I talk to you in the hall? And so Don went out to the hall and he said, your older son has muscle dystrophy as well, which I have to admit is kind of shocking when you don't know. And, you know, he's older. He was probably 18 or 16. But forever you've wondered what's, what's happening, what's going on, because all the children are born absolutely perfect. And then there's a certain age where they start to decline. And nobody had answers. Nobody knew what was going on. So then the doctor, the specialist, asked if he could see a family picture. And so he saw the family picture. And he diagnosed, just through the picture alone, of this, this muscle dystrophy. And this muscle dystrophy actually affects, um, it's a different form than what I think we typically think. So it affects more like the upper body and, you know, some mental disabilities, lots of physical disabilities. So it's, it's just a really difficult thing. And yet here was a great answer of what's going on with my family, which he had wondered for years. And at the same time, it was a really hard answer. Because as the doctor looked at his picture, he identified seven of them with muscle dystrophy. And then they came in for testing. And sure enough, seven of them have muscle dystrophy. So, as well as his wife. So this came out, but, you know, at this time, it was okay. Don had already learned to how to handle the situations. Even though he didn't know what was going on with his children, he knew his children were struggling. And so he couldn't hold a regular full job that we all do where you go to work for long hours because he was so desperately needed at home. So he just took jobs that he could do part-time or he could do from the house. And he just was there to love and tenderly take care of each one of his children. And I just love the story so much because to me, Don lived right in the heart of the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is a place where there is ultimate love, right? 
And that's what Don was like. I think from the outside world, people probably saw his life as chaotic and dysfunctional. But if you could see on the inside, you would see nothing but love and acceptance. And that's who Don was from the day he was born. His heart loved and accepted everyone at all times in their lives. And I know this because I'm his sister. And unlike Don, I came with lots of weaknesses. <laughs> so he was always right beside me, ready to rescue me, ready to hold my hand, to cry with me, to talk with me, and to give me the best advice ever. He had the most gentle, caring way of walking beside everybody. Often, if not always, his struggles were hundreds of times more demanding and heartbreaking than what he was, he was consoling for the individual he was, he was taking care of or loving or advising. But he was always available, always available to listen, love, and lead. His well-read mind, he loved books, loved, loved books, had the knowledge of a doctor in the science of social relations, addictions, child-rearing, politics, any subject you can possibly think. He basically solved the world's problems one person at a time. So I'll never forget the day that the news came that Don underwent brain surgery to remove a tumor. There were overwhelming feelings of confusion and worry from all of us siblings. I know that for sure, and probably the whole world. He was each one of our best friends. He lived life with an eternal perspective. And you could not, there was nothing anybody or any trial or any temptation could do to pull him away from his focus. Life was never easy for Don or his family. With all of their numerous physical, mental, and financial, emotional trials, trials that at this point, when I got the news of the tumor, brought me to my knees, begging Heavenly Father to please give him some relief. And my answer that I received from Heavenly Father was, I love Don, and he loves me. That impression just burned inside my heart as I realized, you know how Don shows his love to his Heavenly Father? He doesn't just say, I love you. He shows it by loving everybody. And the scriptures tell us that what you do to the least of these, my brethren, I'm not a scripture quoter, but you have done it unto me. He showed love every single day of his life. And that's the feeling I got. I love Don and he loves me. And I actually, I felt the strong impression that I needed to learn from Don during, the, during this time in his life, where Christ's love penetrated his heart, his home, and his life. I felt impressed to trust the Lord to love Don and his family enough to bring them all home. At that time, I was really hoping that home didn't mean home to Heavenly Father. But now I know that my brother is wrapped in his Heavenly Father's arms. And I have felt, his same, I have felt this same love and compassion for his wife and his children with a clear understanding that Heavenly Father loves them more than I will ever understand. This experience has given me a great understanding of God's love for us for each of us, for me, for my children, for my neighbors, people I don't know, in the grocery store, everywhere. It has helped me to be to parent with more purpose and intention of raising my children to the Lord and to try to help others realize their potential and their purpose. It has helped me to have a greater desire 
to observe who needs me and to try to be available at all times for anybody. So as this news came out that Don had a tumor, all of our all of our hearts, all of his siblings, and like I said, I'm sure so many other people, but I just know for our family, our hearts were just so yearned to how can we comfort Don. Don has always been there for all of us, and he's every one of our best friends. It's our turn to be there for Don. How do we do this? How do we bring the incredible hope, encouragement, understanding, and direction that he's given us during our most difficult moments to Don? So, just as I started contemplating what to say and what to do, we got received a group text from Don. And this is the testimony I want to share with you. This is the part of the podcast that I hope you will listen to and take each word to heart because this is directly from my brother, Don, who loved the Lord his whole life, who loved every single person he ever came in contact with. And I believe that is why he, he was able to feel God's love so deeply for all of us that he was able to share it in words that I just don't know can be duplicated. And here, here, these are his words. My dear sweet parents and siblings and children, how much I love, appreciated everyone's prayers and support. Many are wanting to know how things are going. We still don't have the results from pathology, so there are many unanswered questions. And the doctors say with their mouths that this could even just be something like an infection that has been cleared permanently with surgery. But by the way they talk, and their demeanor indicates to me that this is really not a very likely outcome. Some of the more sobering scenarios are the ones that seem to lean into. Although we are hoping for results that send me home to the family I love and the lo- life I love, I feel that it's important for all to know. Please know that if these scarier scenarios should turn out to be the reality we face, they are not really as scary or dreadful as they are radically and demanding. Demanding the best we have to offer and calling us to awaken a rise to other exciting realities that we have been missing, seeing only dimly. Maybe between the times that King Benjamin was told by the angel to awake, maybe in his interim he was told that it would not be long until he would be called home. If so, I can relate to know how much easier it was to really respond to the call to awake This experience with this tumor has this far for me been nothing short of a beautiful disaster. A disaster only because it messes with all my carefully laid plans for life. And also because I feel suddenly desperate as I realize that all my cherished people, especially my children, might not know how much, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, they mean to me if I don't get on the ball and let them know. But for overshadowing this disaster stuff, This experience has been beautiful, majestic, and triumphant in every way. Triumphant because of the power of Christ that turns darkness to light and pain to peace and disasters into beautiful masterpieces of learning and joy. I'm not just trying to be strong. I feel this profoundly. The way my heart yearns and burns and aches for the people I dearly love is like a revelation of heaven to me. It is as if I have been drawn into the bosom of God and allowed to be a witness to the sacred depth of eternal breath of His tenderness and everlasting love for His children. I couldn't have come here to this place of sacred knowing in any other way. A simple concussion or a stubbed toe would not have gotten the job done. I've come to see the veil as something of a comforting blanket that the Lord lays across our shoulders as we cry our rivers of tears in our moments of doubt or pain. And then, if we sit quietly 
and listen. And we will allow ourselves to feel the pulse and warmth of his heartbeat radiates through the blankety veil and warms us to the core of it. Being like an eternal fire that we belong to and have forever belonged to and instantly known, but for a moment, a mortal moment we have forgotten. If I could just somehow tell my little ones, my inexpressibly precious children, about how I feel and what I have experienced, if I could bring them close to this intensely comforting fire of love so that their own hearts could know and drink deeply of this love Heavenly Father has for them, they would never, ever again wonder about their worth or their value. And feel and feeling accepted wouldn't even be a thing because they would be wrapped, swaddled, warm, and tucked in by my love and by Heavenly Father's infinitely greater and more unconditional love every day of their mortal lives. But perhaps, if they realized this too fully, maybe life wouldn't be a test for them because they would never again be tempted to leave sacred ground, to experiment with unkindness, or to cave to the pull of, the pull of fear, or to give place to petty impulses of the natural man. If I could stay with my children and not have to worry about leaving the party early, I would do a thousand burpees every day and never eat cheesecake again. And hopefully staying is a workable option in God's plan. And I really do trust His plan, whatever it is. But sometimes I feel like there's no way the Lord will let me stay. I might love people too much and let out the secret that God is very near, poised like a roaring lion in our corner of this mortal battle, shaking all eternity with His soul-rending roars, pleading with us to hear Him and to trust Him. And although undetected by us, continually chasing away all harm and every threat that isn't absolutely equivocally necessary for us to face at any given moment in our lives. Since these experiences are necessary to bring us to where he is, eternally safe in the arms of his soon-to-be revealed impen impenetrable and unreachable love. No one could possibly know how cleansing and mighty this experience has been for me. I'm unspeakably grateful for it. Whatever the outcome, I would not change it. Certainly in every moment of every day of all God's children's lives, and I add my witness that it has been so in the recent events of my life, God is in the details. Goodness and love are in the details beyond our wildest imaginations. I know there are so many prayers being given in my behalf right now. I wish I could ask that all the children pray something like, Heavenly Father, Uncle Don is going through brain surgery, but that is really no excuse to be giving him gobs and gobs of amazing experiences. He has given us permission to ask that some of these little peaks into heaven be sent our way. Besides, the more he gets, the more he cries, and that is kind of embarrassing for him. Please, Heavenly Father, help him to know how to speak through his tears so he can tell all of us the feelings of his heart and how happy he is and so that he can tell us how amazing we are, how beautiful and how important and how much he loves us. And if the speaking through tears fails, because it usually does, it's okay because when we hear his goofy laugh, somehow we know. And I just want to tell you guys that after that surgery, we got the news that Don had the most aggressive brain cancer and that he would only be he would most likely live two to four months 
20 months later, he went through, I think nine, maybe 10 brain surgeries, lots of difficulty, paralysis, just really difficult moments. But he lived true to every single word that he said in that testimony. He laughed and giggled and told jokes and enjoyed his situation with each and every one of us that came and visited him with the utmost perfection. And he loved us so much. I remember the hugs that he gave each one of my children. They commented on it still, how they will never forget Don giving them the hugest hug after visiting him after he had brain surgery. We too can feel our Heavenly Father's love in our lives, even during the trials that we are facing, even the most difficult trials that we are facing. But like he said, we have to be willing to talk to him and then accept a quiet, gentle, loving touch from our Heavenly Father. Allow him to pull us into his bosom, to trust him to love us enough to not give us any more than what we are required to go through. And if we will do this, we too will see and be a part of the kingdom of God here on earth. And then we will be able to have an eternal perspective that someday we will get to go home and experience. And I have to say, my brother always had that perspective and he is now experiencing all that he lived for. We love him. And I hope that today you were able to gain a little bit of God's love for you. Please share with others and come back next week for another podcast. We love you all. Bye.